All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Ryan Miner. We are broadcasting live from the very famous Harry Browns, and here in Annapolis, it is the third week of Annapolis session, and man, do we have a lot to talk about tonight. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Len Lazaric, who's the editor and publisher of Maryland Reporter, and I am the host of uh, Minor Detail Podcast, and I write at aminordetail.com. I have two extraordinarily we have two extraordinary guests tonight so the very famous senator guy Gazzoni. and remind me again what's your what's your district number 13 13 and of course senator edwards from my native home in, in western maryland uh who represents the the great city of williamsport the great town of williamsport um from district one so welcome both senators thank you thank you lynn um you want to we're going to we have quite a bit to talk about tonight, so I'll let you lead off. Well, I thought I thought we should mention. Well, first of all, uh, Guy is my senator. I live in District Thirteen, and he and he is uh, a, a, and uh, <coughs> both of these senators unusually had no opposition at all for their reelection this this past year. No primary, no general. Uh, Guy was spreading some money around that he had raised, helping other, other, other people, killing the drive for five uh, that the Republicans had, <laughs> had tried for, and, and for his efforts is now the, the new majority leader. But the reason they're here is they're both on the budget committee, uh, budget and taxation committee, and they've been there for a while. George has been there forever, right? Eight, eight years? Twelve years. Twelve years on the budget committee. First, first year I was on finance and I went to budget and taxes. And uh, Guy is actually a subcommittee chairman. So we had a fiscal briefing. The governor introduced his budget last, last Friday. Uh, they were both at the fiscal briefing. Uh, the, the legislative analyst said... Uh, this was actually a very easy budget for the governor to put together, and there are a lot of things to like in the budget. And then it says in the following years, it may become a lot more difficult, especially if we have a recession. So what's your, what's your overview of, of the budget? Well, I mean, first of all, And Senator Edwards? Well, let me start out by saying I agree with what my good friend here said about the cooperation. Uh, we've dealt with each other on a lot of bills, and uh, I think he understands my position or my 
perspective from where I come from to the state as I've learned his from where he comes from from the state and that's where we're elected dudes to get here and get the work done not do kind of stuff they're doing in uh, DC which I gotta watch what I say because you'd probably have to bleep it plenty of time but uh, overall I think it's a good budget you know there's more money to work with this time which made it a lot easier mainly because of the federal tax changes had a lot to do with the additional money along with the Supreme Court decision on on internet purchases where now they collect sales tax put a lot more money into the to the throws where the governor could could put together still it's a modest increase about 3.68 percent uh funded all the mandates plus put a little bit more in some of them which you can kind of hold over next year if you need to uh put 1.3 billion in the reserve fund rainy day fund and surplus together which uh, helps us out if uh, we get downhill in the economy which uh they're all talking about a recession in 2020, even though the way it was couched to us in the budget and tax by Moody's, it'll be a downturn, but it'll still be kind of increases from where it was. It's a smaller increases, so we'll still be getting some revenues. But uh, overall, I think it's a, it's a good approach. But, Lynn, as you said, I have some concerns about the out years. We're good this year, next year, potentially – but I've seen these numbers before. I've actually seen numbers up to two, two uh, billion structural deficit in the out years. This goes potentially from 902 million to 1.5 billion. Uh, that's if you do nothing different, and you know we're going to do stuff different. So it'll come in line. It's a matter of how quick it comes in line, and whether we start any new programs or not. One of, one of the wonkier aspects of the budget is there's no BRFA this year. There's no, uh, it's, that's the Budget Reconciliation and Financing Act, which uh, is used in the past to adjust the, the mandates. And since all the mandates are funded, there's no need for that. But it also gives the legislature less flexibility uh, to play with some of the numbers. It, it, isn't that true? Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's absolutely true. But the reality is we really don't need to play with some of those numbers since we got what, what we've been asking for. These mandates are really about aspirational budgets. What do we want? What do we care about? And it's in you know education or the environment. Uh, 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 one in particular I deal with all the time is the disability community. Um, the governor funded all those things that we aspired to. And so um, for this year, uh, we're in great shape. Um, and, you know, as was mentioned, uh, we really do have to look at what's going to happen in the coming years because that includes additional aspirations beyond where we are, including what we do with Kerwin. And that's going to be a big deal. Um, it's a significant amount of money over 10 years, $3, 4000000000 billion over those 10 years. Um, we're not in a position right now to be able to do that without some changes, and we're going to have to figure out what those changes are. I don't think we have the answers yet. And, and uh, Maggie McIntosh, the chair of the Appropriations Committee, a, 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 has said she would like to find a little bit more money for some of the Kerwin Commission, but, but this year they're only in the... the, the Three hundred and fifty million dollar range, which may sound like a lot of money, but in a in a forty six billion dollar budget, it is not a huge amount of money. It, 
You're right. Um, and part of that money that is to be found is, includes $200 million that we actually set aside last year in a fund. So uh, the reality is um, there's only, if you will, the $125 million that came in through the lockbox process. So um, that combination, that 200 is still unallocated. It's, it's un undetermined about how we're going to spend it. And we're waiting for further discussion with Kerwin. Um, but that money's available but yet to be decided. Well, and you can't, if I can, you can't, you can't do it all in one year. And if you remember back in, uh, when Glenn Denning was governor, we did Thornton, passed a $1.2 billion budget for increased aid to education. Well, the, the Kerwin numbers are actually over 10 years. That you, I mean, you, go, True, but you don't get to that $3.8 billion until... You know, right, but the point is, we didn't pass anything to say how we were going to pay for it. Correct. So I think we need to look at, take a hard look at, you know. If, you think if you're going to do Kerwin, that this time? If uh, we do Kerwin, how are we going to fund it? And this, even if it's over 10 years, I mean, you may be able to pick up enough revenue each year that you don't need to do any tax maneuvers, fees, or whatever. But that has, you're going to have to deal with that kind of on an incremental basis year year by year. My, my recollection back then also was that it was just prior to the election that that passed without a funding source. So I'm actually kind of glad that we didn't do that this time. I'm glad we didn't take that leap. As much right. as I believe in what we, what is embedded in Berlin, I think we're doing it in the right framework. Uh, we're, we're passing it, if you will, uh, after the election, uh, and we've got four years to figure out how to deal with it and how to fund it. Well, the other aspect is we ha we need to look at what they actually put on paper for us because it's my understanding uh, that they're going to ask the locals to put in a lot more the part of the state i represent has a hard enough time now uh, so i need to take a hard look at how much more local money they're going to ask these subdivisions to put into into funding this program once it's presented to us because there's even more resistance uh, at the local level to ra to raising to raising taxes so where, where do you think we're going to wind up nec next year? I mean... Uh, Only one thing for sure. We will end up with a balanced budget, because we always do. And we, we don't have a choice. And we have to. Uh, constitutionally required. Yeah. We'll figure it out, right? Um, so the answer is, I, I really don't know. We have not sat down and gone through the sort of agonizing process of thinking about additional revenues. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's adult use... Uh, marijuana, um, you know, there's some additional language that we might do with internet sales, um, and that may bring in some additional knowledge. You know, there's a couple places, none of which can get us the big numbers that we've been... That Sport, sports betting. Sports betting, all but, of those. But, yep, but that's a relatively small number. That's right. But there's some, also some programs that he's putting a lot of money in that aren't mandates that you could actually cut back if you wanted to, depending on how they were going at that time. For example, $250 million going into the opioid crisis. That's not a mandate. You could massage that a little if you need to. It's a I mean, big that's issue a big up in, problem. Especially is, up in western Maryland. That's a huge problem in the whole state. But out our way, it's a huge, big problem. And we need to deal with that. Uh, other thing he's doing this time, giving employees a pay raise, which is you know, when the state has money, we should treat employees appropriately. We having a, we're having a problem hiring correctional officers, and we have several big prisons in Washington County, several big prisons in Allegheny County. You can't hire people. 
not because of, of that, but that's a part. And, but and the governor but they're going to get it. The governor has made an adjustment on that, yeah. giving them an additional four percent so, because they can't they they can't hire people to be correctional officers. Yeah, that's that's part of it. But they're doing a lot of other things. We just met with them today. They they are increasing the applications and they're hiring more. But I don't know if it offsets the retirements. But that's a safe to me. It's a safety issue. We need to have enough people in there that these people know they're safe working there. And uh, uh, I'm glad to see he's put in that. Hopefully, that attracts more people to those jobs and they can be safe while they're working. Last week, the governor announced that four out of the five of the state's unions came to the table in the process, but one in particular did not. What's your comment on that, Senator Gazzoni? <laughs> so, you know, I think uh, they're still concerned. They're concerned because even though 3% is good, um, it's not what they negotiated. And as you know, collective bargaining is supposed to be uh, a process where management and labor get together and try to hash things out and do it together as opposed to one side saying what it's going to be. This is the kind of, I think what, what their concern may be is that you know, this is this year. Mm-hmm. A lot of extra money this year. It's not going to be that next year, and and they don't want to have a situation where they are not um, have the kind of relationship where they continually um, are, are working with with the governor and management. Yeah, and I, you know he released the budget last week. You guys had a chance to to review it and begin the process. And Senator Edwards. For people who are listening, this the budget process is one of the, the biggest uh, issues that you tackle throughout any legislative session. Could you briefly give the two, maybe the, the one-minute pitch about how the budget is cut up and the process uh, of how it unfolds throughout committee and then what happens after that? Well, the budget is presented. We have an executive budget. The only state in the country does it the way we do it. We can only cut money out of the budget we can't add we can't transfer with the operating budget we can do a little bit in the capital budget so the governor presents the budget goes to the committee's appropriations in the house budget and tax in the senate we have subcommittees in each one that deal with specific parts of the budget we have the people come in from the from the departments so we can go over item by item what what they do Subcommittees then act. Subcommittees present it to the full committee. Full committee acts and then presents it to the floor. That's a less than a one-minute thing, but <laughs> but at least at least from our standpoint, we do have some input when we look, and you can massage things. And if you don't like something, you can work with the governor and say, okay, we want to cut this out. If we cut this out, would you put it here? Governor can say, no, thanks. I'm not dealing with you on that. So there is some room for working on things, but that's one of the issues with doing state budgets. You know, every four years, except when a governor's reelected, you get a new governor, and the governor sets the governor's priorities. So you might go from priority A with this governor, and next governor you get, they want to do B. So then you back off of A with a new governor, and you got to start building up what Governor B wants to do. But we do have uh, input and 
it's nice in the Senate, there's only like four of us on each subcommittee. So you have a fair amount of input and a lot, lot, of, lot more input than others might have because of that scenario. Right. You sound relieved. <laughs> Probably the most boring committee down here. <laughs> The Senate has changed quite a bit um, in in this session, and the makeup has changed. And I think that some added diversity is there. Sarah Alfreth, one of your new colleagues, but Senator Gazzoni, you are a rising star in Annapolis. You are someone that is looked at to be the next Senate leader, and given the uh, the current Senate leader's um, health issues, do you think you're going to be the next Senate leader? Yeah, well, we do too. And uh, you have a vote coming up on uh, the state treasurer. Do you think Na- Nancy Cop's going to get reelected? Uh, ma- mainly, the House determines that they have more votes in the Senate. So, I mean, if they have a way majority for whomever it is, I think she might be tough to beat. But I think there are some groups out there that don't want her reappointed or revoted in. Uh, we just have to wait till they count the votes, like every other election. You know, till they count the votes, you don't know. Yep. Yep. Can I can I just back up a second? Yeah, please. Here? I don't want people to get the wrong impression. I said there's some <laughs> programs the following year you may not have to put as much money in. I mentioned the opioid situation. I want people to know I'm not saying we need to take money from them. We need more money. We need to work on that problem. Ryan, as you said, it's a huge problem. We need to work on that. But 
another one which guy talked about some of these programs bringing more money he's got 56 million dollars in for opportunity zones and that's hopefully going to create businesses and they're going to employ people so through that process we're going to get income tax from the employed people you're going to get property tax from those people they're going to buy products so those, you hope that stimulates the economy a little bit and brings in some extra revenues that we can deal with in the future. I want to mention that the governor has reserved some money for uh, the new Brooks House in Washington County uh, that you are very familiar with, Senator Edwards, um, which which hits home. Um, to finish up, uh, my friend and colleague here, Lynn, he has been a throughout his career a huge proponent of sunshine laws of of transparency the speaker yesterday it was announced that uh, in the house they're going to start live streaming in 2020 what is the hold up in the senate In both in both houses. Yes. Needs to be done. They ought to, they ought to do it in the whole bailiwick we deal in down here. Ought to be that way. Um, we need to be as open as we can. I, I'm, I would say the same thing whether we were on live streaming or not. And I think it needs to be that way. Committee on the floor, and, and, and especially and for else. your constituents far out west, or even in even in Columbia where we we, we live. You know, so people can actually see what's actually going on. Uh, there's audio now, but it's uh, it, it's kind of hard to figure out who's who's saying what. Same as we mentioned also this morning, we had Howard County delegation meeting, and we were supposed to start doing it this morning. And I saw some equipment on, on uh, Senator Lamb's desk, and uh, he announced as we started that it was technically a problem this morning. So I think we're all I think we're all there. We want to get there. It's the right thing to do, and we're going to do it. Yeah. Very good. We're, All right. We're wrapping up. So we kept you on schedule. It's 630 here in Annapolis. And we, gentlemen, senators, we appreciate the time and opportunity to, to have this discussion. We're going to be following the budget. And I know that the rest of Annapolis and the whole state will be following the budget. So Senator Gazzoni and Senator Edwards, thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight. My right. pleasure. Thank, thanks for All the invitation. Right.